guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. This episode, we're talking about making money when most people aren't. <laughs> We've been talking about the chances of recession for months now. Thanks to rising rates, choking company profits, some Wall Street firms currently have the odds of recession sometime between now and the end of 2023 as high as 98%. We recently talked about what to do with your investments to prepare for a recession, but today we're going to look at the other side of that coin, how to profit from an economic downturn. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Teach me how to make some money. I'm going to. And not only that, I'm not going to be alone because we're happy to welcome back the giant of personal finance, Joe Saul Sihai from Stacking Benjamins. Hello, Joe. What's up, Mr. Johnson? You and the rent, my friend. Which one's higher? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a comeback, by the way, from uh, 1973. I just I just regurgitated somehow. Uh, anyway, before we start this podcast, folks, remember, we are not offering personal money advice because we don't know you personally. So before acting on anything you hear today, do your own research, consult your own experts, and be responsible for your own money. Okay, and, th and that really applies today, too, because I'm going to be talking about specific investments. Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, we've been expecting recession for a long time. What, let, let's see. Let's stop. W what's a recession? Miranda, you, you're the good de definition person. What's a recession? So the commonly accepted definition of a recession is after you've had two consecutive quarters of negative growth and negative economic growth. So, uh, so basically, you don't know you're in a recession until you're already in a recession and have been in a recession. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the overall definition. But I think it's important to act as if there's always a recession coming because when you're preparing your personal finances, you do want to be ready because you never know when it's because what hits you as a recession and what your personal finances look like may not look like the rest of the economy. And you may already be in a, we may already be in a recession before uh, the economists call it, as it were. Thoughts well, on prayers, like, Joe? Thoughts on prayers? <laughs> I, I love the, you, Joe. yes, what, sir. What, why did they say two consecutive quarters of, of negative economic growth? Why don't they say two consecutive quarters of shrinkage? I, well, that's, that's, why do I cross my legs the second you say that, Stacey? I have no idea. Well, that's what, and I was going to say that negative growth, isn't that so polite? Like, that's so nice. Oh, we'll, we'll just call it negative growth. We'll put a spit, like some politician was in charge of that word. And by the way, yeah. if, if, if it is negative growth, and Stacey, you've been in a recession for a few years now, aren't you at the age where you're shrinking at this point? That Yes, I am starting to shrink. And thank you for pointing out how old I am, Joe. I, I assume that you would do that. But, but And actually, you look like a guy who's on the verge of retirement. Is, is the bad stock market hurting you? Oh, my Are gosh. You you guys. So let's talk about preparing for a recession. No, with your you know <laughs> we talk about investments a lot and what to do with your investment portfolio and the bucket strategy. But what else could you do? Right? No, why, no why listen, listen. I, I love recessions. And, and, and before I get into this, I'm going to say something I want to be very clear. Obviously, I do not want my fellow citizens to be out of work. Obviously, I do not want bad things to happen to anybody. But having said that, I'm going to tell you that I've made a ton of money investing in recessions. And well, I've you've got lived examples. through six of them that I know of so far. <laughs> six recessions? Since At the least. 80s? Since oh, the 80s. Yeah, well, yeah. And actually, I started as a stockbroker in 1981. Uh, and that was a horrible time uh, mm. to, to be an investor. Uh, because then I was actually, Joe, you were, you were a financial advisor too. 
Yeah. Um, well, I was on the phone selling investments to people when money markets were paying 20% interest. Right. In other I words, remember you can earn 20% with no risk. And I'm trying C to get people to buy stocks. Yes. Yeah, CD rates, uh, permanent yeah. life insurance policies, like these universal po life policies paying 12. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You could get uh, AAA tax freeze. They were paying 13. It, it was amazing. It was a very difficult time to be an investor. But the point is, when everything sucks, that's when money is actually made. You don't make money by selling at the top. You actually make the money by buying at the bottom. And you realize that profit by selling at the top. And it's hard. And it took me, I'll tell you guys, you were joking about how many recessions I've seen, but I've seen a lot of them. And the first five, I sat there on the sidelines like a deer in the headlights. Because you're looking at the financial news and they're going like, I mean, they really, they're telling you the sky's falling. You feel like buying canned goods and shotguns. I mean, you know, it looks like everything's going to zero and it's scary. But, it, you know, after that happened, I've been through so many of these things. I finally went, oh, wait, this is when I'm supposed to be buying stuff. And I, and I did. And, and I've, got, I've, got an ex I've got examples of stuff because I'm telling people buy stocks now. Uh, and now this is November 3rd, 2022. Uh, the, we've had a horrible year in the stock market, and I think it's about to get a little worse, too. Um, we're, we're on the verge of a recession, and, but now is the time you need to be waiting in. And here's some examples of things that I did in 2009. I've got my, I, I, have a, um, I keep my portfolio online for the members of our website to look at. So here's uh, it's everything I've ever bought. Uh, well, that I still own anyway. But I bought, let's see, ConocoPhillips. I bought that on March 2nd, 2009. At $27.20 a share. It's now $135 a share. I bought Philip 66, same date, March 2009. Bought it for 16 bucks. It's now 103. I bought JP Morgan, $37 in September of 2008. It's now worth $127 a share. I bought Wells Fargo at $16 in 2009. It's now worth 45 bucks. So, I'm not, I'm not just suggesting you buy stuff. I'm telling you that I've made a ton of money doing this. This is why it's I get frustrated. Easy. This is why I get frustrated, Stacy, when I hear people tell me, well, shouldn't I slow down right now? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I get more conservative? No, 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 no. This is the time. This is the go. If you can go. Yeah. Yes. And I think, and I think, you know, too, it even works for somebody like me who is a boring old index investor. <laughs> because so because for insurance for <clears throat> excuse me for for example right in 2009 uh, when i was looking at increasing you know what i was putting in people were saying oh well you know it, the, the indexes are down it's all um it's all it's all dropping it's all terrible like what what are you going to do and how do you you know what do you do with these indexes and and how do you make good money and, and everything else well, the reality of the situation was, you know, back in 2009, 2010, you know, the, the S&P was much lower than it is now, right? Yeah. It was, it yeah. was sitting at, you know, right around 1,000. Well, now it's above 3,000. Even, even on a yeah. down year, it's still up. And so it's important to remember that even if it's down this year, it's still much higher than it was in 2009, 2010. I was going to ask Joe... Um... I've read it. It says that even after the, you know the Fed has done its policy and is tightening, it takes about a year for that to work through the economic system before people realize what's happening. You know, for the numbers, the GDP and all of that stuff start showing the effects of of, of what the Fed is doing. 
Um, and then on top of that, we've got a winter coming when we have, you know, oil problems and stuff like that. And everybody's worried about, oh my God, how much is oil going to cost and what's this going to do to everybody? Are they going to start saving a lot more? Are they going to start pulling back even more spending, you know, during the winter time? Um, you just said, you know, start time investing. Would you say that or should we wait still? No, the key is, is to, because you don't know, Aaron, when the moment's going to arrive, when the big, when the turn's going to happen, your goal is to get as much loaded into the, into the metaphorical cannon as you can get in there before it pops, right? So I want to, while things are, are going down, I want to be loading that cannon as much. I don't know how low it's going to go. I don't know how long it's going to take, but here's what I know. This is when wealth is created. So the more I can do quickly while things are going down, the more that this unpredictable pop is going to help me when it finally arrives. I think I I think picking the day is the wrong thing to do. You got so many things that you can that you can do, and trying to pick your day and pick your shot is the one that we can't control. So focus on all the stuff you can control, which is getting good and ready. Yes. Now, are are you a buyer right now, Joe? Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I alluded to on the last episode, I've gotten more aggressive with my buying. Like I'm buying the more aggressive, more aggressive things than I was buying six months ago. Now, so you think six months ago we were at a true value, not an overinflated value? No, I don't. No, I don't think that. It, I'm, I'm not even playing that game. I just know that life is bad. I know life is going to be bad for a while. I know this is money I don't need for ten years. So the game I'm playing is that if, and, and this is, it gets, gets a little, a little wonky, but there's a, there's a, a, uh, a metric called standard deviation, which shows how much, how volatile things are. I want things that are more volatile on a higher standard deviation than I used to have, because as things are low, if I'm piling new money in, and by the way, I'm not talking about rearranging my assets I already had. Those are fine. Those are doing fine. But my new money is going into a heavier up down than the stuff before because what goes down the most comes up the most, right? So I want to be I want to be heavier there than I was before. And, and are you, think, are you, are you, go ahead. I'm sorry, Miranda. I was just say kind of along with that. So I, as as we know, I just keep the dollar cost averaging. I keep the investing plan for my long term, whatever. I keep doing that no matter what is happening. The automatic investments go. It all just goes, and I don't change that up no matter what's happening in the markets. I do have you know extra capital that's ready to deploy, and I can do weird things with, and I call it my little experiments. And I kind of do kind of what Joe does with those experiments, and I say, okay, what looks like. It's really getting smashed right now. And do I put the new money in that and some extra money there while maintaining my long-term plan? Joe, do you, are you, do you, you buy individual stocks too, right? I do, but I buy them in a, in like a play account, right? So I've got like the me. whole of my, sh I've got the whole of my ship, which is indexed and things like indexes. Most of it is uh, dimensional funds. So people know what those are, but, but it's very close to indexing. Same, same thing. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, dimensional funds? Yeah, dimensional funds. Explain. Explain. So dimensional funds is a fund family that has uh, a ton of people involved with it that have won uh, Nobel Prizes, uh, Nobel Prize winning researchers. Uh, the, all the FAMA and French stuff, those guys are, are, uh, are part of dimensional funds. All they do is they index with this basic core idea that we don't know what's going to win tomorrow. But it's much easier to know what's going to lose. So we'll look at the S&P 500 
we will bet on which ones are going to suck and we're going to remove those versus what most people do is the opposite side, right? They bet on what's going to win. They bet on what's going to lose and they take those out. And historically, they it's like the S&P 500, but they skim a little bit better every year. Very consistently skim a little better than the indexes do by getting rid of losers versus trying to pick winners. This That's is fascinating. I, I have to yeah. admit, I'm embarrassed to say, I did not know this. Before. I did, I've never heard of this before. A lot of people don't use dimensional for one reason alone, a lot of do-it-yourselfers, because you have to buy them through an advisor. What dimensional believes is that uh, advisory dollars, and Vanguard had a, had a piece about this, money is stickier if if there's an advisor involved, people are going to control their impulses a little more. They're going to not blow up their own plan. So Dementia a long time ago said, you know what? We're only going to make sure that people that are going to seriously be, they're not going to you know look at me and say, oh, yeah, I'm a long-term investor, and they truly aren't. They're going to actually be long-term investors, so we're only going to do it through advisors. So if you're interested in those, you need to find an advisor who's affiliated with Dimensional to get in. Throw a link on, we'll put a link in our show notes. I myself want to look at this. So yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll put something else about that. But now I'm buying, I'm actually not buying right now. I, I'm about to buy. Um, I'm looking at Alphabet. Um, um, I'm looking at uh, Google. I, I, you know, I'm looking at uh, Microsoft. I already own these stocks, but I'm looking to add to them. I, I bought, I bought uh, Google in, on January 13th, 2010 for 15 bucks. That's split wow. adjusted price. Wow. And, and, and now it's 84, but it was, it was twice. I mean, it's half what it was six months ago, or I should say more like a year ago. Um, so, you know, this is the time to be buying this stuff, guys. Oh, and I need to throw something in here really quick too. Do not do what I'm suggesting unless you can diversify. Because I also bought General Electric at a split adjusted price of $218 a share yeah, in yeah, 2008. Yeah, and it's yeah. now 78. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, every, I don't want you guys to think that I don't make mistakes because I certainly do. So make sure that you can diversify if you're, you're going to buy individual issues. Yeah, now, I bought it. Can we move I on? Go ahead, go ahead. Well, we need a break and then we need to talk oh. about what to do with the rest of your finances as we move into a recession. <laughs> like, oh, thank, we thank you for reminding break. me. We need to pay See, the I'm, bills. I'm so, I'm so excited about telling people how smart I am that I forgot about the break. We need to pay the bills and then we need to talk about what to do with the rest of your finances. I've like, got what do you do? to make money from recessions too. But okay, wait. First things first. Hold on, folks. We're halfway through our show, which means that it's time to pay our bills. We're going to be right back after this quick break. And then we're going to talk about some of the things you should do with your finances or whatever mm. Miranda wants to talk about. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. But before we start, if you like what we're doing, do something for us and share the show with your friends and family on your favorite social platforms and subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds, but we will love you for it. Okay, now, Miranda, go ahead and bore me with whatever you were going to say. Well, I mean, I think one of the things, one of the questions I have been getting uh, because we do talk about investing so much. But one of the questions I have been getting uh, from people is, what do I do with the rest of my finances? How do I prepare my money for a downturn? And if I want to be able to invest in these great things that you're talking about, how do I free up the extra capital, right? You've got to be able to have capital. When these downturns happen, you need to have the money available to deploy. And so a lot of people are saying, okay, that's great that you have all of these great ideas for investing during a downturn. How do I free up the money? How do I prepare my finances? How do I position myself 
so that I can take advantage of these opportunities. So how do we do that? And that's one of the biggest questions I get. And so part of it has to go back to, okay, how do you, how do we review our budget items? Where are we seeing lifestyle creep? And I personally keep a list of like, okay, if I need to cut back on things, what are the first things that go? I have my top priorities for spending, for regular expenses, um, for, for all of the things that I spend money on. And I say, okay, what are the first things that go if I want to save up money to buy uh, buy in a recession? What do I do if I want to make sure I have uh, a, a padded up emergency fund just in case I need it? So those are the things that I'm going to cut first. And then I start cutting them as I see a recession coming. I start saying, do I really, do I really need as, you know, Joe was saying, do I really need this subscription to Disney plus and Netflix and Hulu and HBO max? What am I actually watching? What do I cut out? Uh, do I really need this expense that I'm, I've been spending money on? Do I really need that? And cutting that out and then putting that into uh, either an emergency fund or a fund that you can use to deploy during during the recession to actually have the money available to buy all of these great stocks you're talking about. Yeah, that, that's well said, Miranda. And you know, you know, that, you know what that reminds me of? So what you're actually suggesting we do is start stacking Benjamins. <laughs> yes. That, that's a plug for Joe for those of you who product, remember Product placement is everything. Benjamins. Product placement is everything. <laughs> Hold up your book. Yes. Hold up your book, Joe. Yes. Let's, let's, oh, let's quick, look at your book quick. while we're at it. Get yeah, stacked. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're going to plug it more than once. St and, and folks, it says stack. It's not what you're thinking. It's about stacking Benjamins. Uh, okay, Bait and switch. So, I know. It's, it's disappointing, but, but it's good advice. Um, so anyway, though, yes. Having, and, and by the way, one of the things, I, I'm always buying stocks, right? But I, I have not been. You know, so what I've been doing is not much. I mean, I usually have 50% of my uh, long-term savings in stocks. I've got about 25% in there now. And the reason why is because I, I keep adding to my savings, but I'm not buying stocks with it. So I'm kind, in that way, I'm kind of timing the market. I mean, I guess everything I'm talking about is kind of timing the market. But, you know, I'm, I'm saving up because something good. I mean, I want to, have, I want to be able to take advantage of bargains uh, when I see them. And you're going to see them. And we're already seeing them, as a matter of fact. I mean, a lot of stocks have been cut in half and more. So, you know, there are bargains out there, but you can't realize them if you don't have the money to do it. So that, that was very appropriate, Miranda. So, so, Joe, what do you do to get your money ready for a recession? Like when you're looking at things, what are you doing? Well, I'll tell you, there's something that's a, that is, uh, will help you on two different fronts. And I like it when I take one action and it helps me in two different ways. And that is I go over my insurances. Because if I, what I find is that your insurances, you probably have the wrong amount of insurance for the wrong reason, wrong type, all that stuff. And I'm talking about your homeowners, your car insurance, the type of stuff that every insurance agent tells you that every couple of years you should go and look at again. And not because you've changed, but because different insurance companies have a different target age individual they're looking at. So if State Farm was number one before, uh, maybe Allstate is or Progressive or whoever it is will give you a better deal on your insurances. So I like, I like, you know, thinking about my risk management and I end up usually saving money on insurance. And then that also means I've got more cash flow available for other things during recessions. Right. And I think the insurance things too is important because if you need that insurance during the recession, then having the appropriate coverage goes back to that risk management. Now you're not having to take as much money out of your emergency fund. You're not having to cut into things while times are bad because you have the appropriate insurance and you have that risk management piece taken care it was of. Am it was amazing. When I was a planner and we do this, seven out of 10 times people would save money. You're not always going to save money, 
but but usually people just have insurances that they truly don't need. I'll give you an easy one. A lot of people listen to this are working either at a cubicle or at home and they spend all day on a keyboard and they have accidental death and dismemberment coverage, right? Accidental death and dismemberment coverage covers you if you poke out an eye, you lose a limb, whatever that might be. So if you're in heavy machinery all day, it's a great coverage. But if you're typing all day, I mean, what's the chance that I'm sitting here typing away, you know, 45, 50 words a minute and I accidentally slice off my index finger between the J and K key because that's what it's going to take for it to pay. Get rid of that coverage, you know, instead beef up your disability coverage or save the money. Oh, and wear gloves when you type just in case. That's a yeah, safety <laughs> tip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another thing, too, when it comes to insurance, I have high deductibles. This, this is amazing to me that people have $500 deductible or $250 deductible on their car or their home. And, and if you have a claim in your car that costs $800, are you going to really report it to your insurance company? Right. They're going to reject yeah. your rates. Well, if you're not going to report it, what the heck are you doing? I mean, you have a $1,000 deductible. That's well, what I, and that, that's going to save you 20% right there. And, and, and so that goes back to what you guys have been talking about earlier, which is the key to your whole risk management strategy is an emergency fund. I mean, that emergency fund yeah. allows you then, Stacy, to raise those deductibles so that you can save money. A lot of people start off with where insurances start, which is, should I buy this insurance policy or not? That's not where you want to start. You want to start with what's the biggest risk that I have and how do I best control those risks? An emergency fund is your number one. You can get rid of short-term disability insurance coverage. If you have an emergency fund, you can get rid yeah. of pet coverage. Much of the time, if you have an emergency fund, you can get rid of a lot of these junk coverages just through having that money sitting. Yeah. And, and then once you have that, that's still, once again, the just positions you well for just anything that happens, whether it's a downturn, whether it's a layoff, whatever it is in your life, uh, it just positions you to be better prepared to meet whatever is getting thrown at you. This is why I, I get so frustrated that I get so much pushback from people about emergency fund. I don't like money sitting sitting in an account earning next to nothing. Well, it doesn't have to earn next to nothing, but but even if it does, that's not your ROI. Your ROI mm -hmm. is all these other things we're talking about. Stop being so linear with your return on investment. My turn on investment is all these premiums I'm saving as one thing. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think too, part of it is looking at, okay, what is the purpose of the money, right? The purpose of the money in the emergency fund is not to like supercharge your yield. The purpose of the money in your emergency fund is to make sure that you have enough money to cover your emergency. And so really thinking about that. And I'm one of those folks who I, I have four to six weeks worth of expenses in a high yield savings account as my you know, short-term emergency fund. And then I have a taxable investment account that's a little bit uh, different makeup than like my retirement account would be, but it's a taxable investment account with, you know, bond and stock, stock assets in it. And I use that for long-term emergency funds where, you know, I use the short-term emergency fund to cover now, and then I liquidate some of what I need during a downturn that turns into a tax deduction. But because uh, if I've lo if I'm losing, I sell losing things. Uh, so but it goes back to where are you comfortable with your risk tolerance? You do what feels good for you, but you have a purpose for that and you have a plan for that. And you have to think through what is this money for and is it going to be there when I need it? Well, and Good I like point. the idea of the risk tolerance discussion, Miranda, mm -hmm. for this reason. I told right. you that I'm getting more aggressive with my money. 
I'm very comfortable being more aggressive with my money because I know I'm not going to need it tomorrow because I have the six months money sitting in this mm -hmm. emergency mm -hmm. fund. Well, that's very good advice. But let's talk about some more ways to make money uh, <laughs> during a recession. I mean, yeah. Because I'm a guy yeah. who's running with scissors, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, another, okay, okay, what about this, you guys? What about real estate? Hasn't ha I mean, we haven't seen a big decline yet, but I bet you we will. In fact, we did a story with, we did a podcast about real estate buying houses um, with, uh, who, who was it? Mindy Miranda? Jensen, or, yeah. Mindy yes, Jensen yes, Mindy. from BiggerPockets. We'll, we'll leap said, to that. She said, I don't think, I don't think um, real estate's going to go down. I think it is. And of course, it's, it's all local. I live in South Florida um, and houses here are just ridiculously overpriced. But here's a true story. Okay, 2010, uh, the man next to me, my next door neighbor, um, passed away, and I bought his house for $325,000, I think, um, and kept it for a couple of years and sold it for $650,000. Because it was, I mean, I, I don't know if those of you who are out there and adults in, in 2010, the real estate market was horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. And so I, I bought this house, fixed it up, and we resold it for a giant profit. And then my, I bought it with a friend because we, we couldn't get a mortgage, so we had to pay cash, and I didn't have that much money at the time. So um, we kept it for a few years, became more 600 grand, and then he got divorced. We had to sell the house, and now it's worth 1.2 million. <laughs> so there you go. Don't deal with people. I, don't, uh, don't have friends that are going to get divorced. There might be a lot of people out there that are sitting on money just because they wanted to buy a house, but then because of the housing craze, you know, they weren't able to. Uh, so this is interesting because if you're sitting on it, you don't know, like, should I go out and get another house, you know, sometime down in the future, or should we start investing that money into stocks? Um, an interesting thing came out the other day that a lot of people that went crazy and bought a second home during the housing craze uh, changed them into Airbnbs, and two million of them are sitting empty. Yeah, that's actually they, what they, we did. We we, are, we made the house into an Airbnb next door. Yeah, so uh, these people could either hold on to them or they could go screw it, sell this house. Well, and, what, where where are you, Joe? Where are you physically located? Texarkana, Texas, eight hundred yards. Okay. From the Texas, so, Arkansas so we've got border. we've got the country covered. Uh, Aaron and I are in South Florida. Miranda's in Idaho. You're in Texas, Texarkana. Um, so, are you a? Would you guys be a buyer of real estate now? Have you seen prices come down in your local markets? I'm. We're at the beginning stages of that, Stacy, where there's more houses for sale. So the log jam has not broken free yet. But to your point, I think that that still is coming. The issue is, is as money becomes more expensive, right? People's ability to go out and purchase this expanding inventory, which is still very tight, but expanding is also less. So the pool of buyers is shrinking and the pool of sellers is expanding. Um, so yeah, no, uh, it's not, it, it hasn't, it hasn't dropped yet, but I, and I'll give you an example, just in the past three months, I've gone from two houses on my street for sale to five. And it used to be, you put your house up for sale, it's gone, right? The two yep. houses that, that, the two houses that were for sale were junk. Were just, they were asking way too much for these houses. And they're those, you know, the same junk you see over and over and over where the seller has a screw loose. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, in this market, it's, I think it's going to happen. And by the way, I'm not talking about 2009 when things went down 50%. Uh, yeah. at least in my neighborhood. Um, but I do think they will come down, but they haven't yet. In fact, I was looking at a house yesterday, not that I could afford it, but I was doing house porn. Um, 
look you know, online, you know, looking at houses. This, these people had this house listed for three and a half million dollars. They bought it in June for two and a half and did nothing. Yeah. These yeah. people are trying to make a million dollars on a single family home in four months. And I say to them, up yours. No way am I going to pay. But, but that, they're going to come, that's, it's going to come down. I still won't be able to afford it. But my, my point is, you know, you know it, I don't think it's time yet. But there is, if, it, if it does get bad in the housing market, it's a great way to make money over time. And, with, and yeah. without really taking a whole bunch of risk. Because real estate, ultimately, if you're, if you're buying in a place where the uh, population and jobs are growing, you're probably going to be okay at the end of it. Well, the yeah, cure to your take a high interest loan, you know, for that house now. Remember, you know, down in the future, those interest rates might go down, and you'd be able to just refinance it. Refinance. Well, and the, yes. I, I, I think the cure for people's ills when they're thinking about these markets and is the market high, is the market low? If you don't need the money for twenty years, Stacy, to your point, that's your best friend right there. Yeah. Because because comparatively, twenty years from now, who cares? 20 years from now, the market's going to be much higher than it is today. So I don't have to make a six month or one year is that, you know, maybe I can eke out a little bit more, but relatively, if you're 20 years away from a selling decision, it, you know, just go buy it, go buy it. You're absolutely right. And by the way, same advice for the stock market. Mm -hmm. I mean, Microsoft is not going to go out of business folks. And if you can buy it for half the price it was six months ago, you're probably going to be okay. And, and even if you, this is something else I was going to advise too, with the whole stock thing. And the same with real estate. You got to be patient. You know, you're not going to get the bottom. Uh, I, I almost did get the bottom in 2009, but that's blind luck. Um, you know, so my point is, okay, I bought some extra Facebook Meta a um, couple months ago because it went from 300 to 150. So I bought, I'll buy another 100 shares. It's now 90. So yeah. be prepared to be wrong and be prepared to be patient. But you know, it's, making money overnight is a flip of a coin. Making money over 20 years is really easy if you buy quality stuff. And Stacy, can I expand this argument just a little bit? Because you've talked about stocks and real estate, which is buying assets. A lot of people in a recession, in this recession, employment numbers have stayed low. But if you lose your job, history shows that some of the most kick-ass companies ever were created during recessionary periods. Smart people lose their jobs during recessions because they, you know, the, the, the tide going out sinks a lot of great ships. Yeah. So, right. so th th I think it's a mistake if you lose your job to go, if at all possible, it's a mistake to go drive for Uber or Lyft or to duct tape. If you have any entrepreneurial spirit at all, build an asset that's a business during this time frame, like if you're thinking at all about but building a business, build it during a recession. Um, and when things start to expand, you're going to, you know, you're going to build it stronger during a recession. And as the recession ends, you're going to come out of it really with a tight business plan. That, that's some of the best advice we've had on this podcast. I love that. Of advice. course. And, and I started my business, you know, during a recession. Uh, and, and, and it makes you work harder. I was, I was telling you guys before that I started being as an investment advisor in 1981 when you couldn't, you, you couldn't right. give away stocks. If you and could so succeed during so 1981. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I became an intense salesman to survive, you know, yeah. and then, and then when things got better, boy, did I make money, you know? So same, same type of thing. You know, if you start when times are hard, when times are good, you're going to find yourself being very successful. Last person standing, you know? Everybody, let everybody Agreed. else go out of business. Keep your overhead low, and one day you're going to be a winner. Hopefully. I have one I more on my list, 
which is if you haven't, with the interest rates going up so quickly and the Fed signaling that even though they're going to slow down, they're going to continue this game. If you have not locked down your debt repayment strategy, mm-hmm. like don't get me wrong, everybody's got debt, but very few people have a debt repayment strategy like a CFO would have for a business. Think about yourself as your own CFO. Lock down your debt strategy. Like what, what is your repayment plan? Now's the time to do that too. Yep. You're absolutely right. And also a good time to make sure your credit's good. Because if you do see something, you want to leap on it. Make sure you've got someone, you know, someone's going to be able to lend you money. Make sure your credit's good. Work on it now because well, it takes months. And you've got a lesson there too from 2000, you know, 2007, 2008, right? People with bad credit all of a sudden had their credit completely flushed. People with good credit had portions of their credit flushed, but they were able to keep credit because they mm-hmm. had a good credit score. Yep. And you know, another thing too, be, pay attention to what's going on around you. And remember that at the, when the time to buy is when everybody else thinks you're crazy to buy. Everybody on CNBC is saying the sky is falling. And just remember that no one's going to tell you when the bottom's in. And that's why you need to stay informed. You, you know, read websites like Joe's or, or mine, Money Talks News or Stacking Benjamins. Be informed so you can form your own opinion on when, when the time is right to do whatever you want to do. I have one more thing that I was going to put. I, I, I have three things to make money during recession. One's buying stocks, two's buying real estate. Three, now this is going to be unusual because the time is unusual. You just mentioned, Joe, that interest rates are going up. If there is a recession, traditionally, interest rates will drop. Just as the, what the Fed is doing now is raising rates in order to put the brakes on the economy. Well, when the economy is in a recession, they do the opposite. They lower rates in order to stimulate the economy. Now, if you're familiar with bonds at all, bonds will go up in value as interest rates drop. They, they're, they're inverse to interest rates. So as interest rates are rising, bonds are going down. And bonds have had a horrible year, as of, just like stocks. But when interest rates are falling, those bonds have become more valuable. So there are ETFs, like for example, TLT is a symbol of an ETF, it's long-term treasuries. Let me see if I can get a quick quote on TLT. Here it is. It's at $96 a share right now. If, if interest rates drop, these long-term treasuries are going to go up in value. So the high of, for this thing is $155 a share. Now it's at 96 So you could, you could also buy bonds themselves instead of ETFs. But, you, but you, if you think interest rates are going to drop, then that's the time you want to be investing in bonds. And also on the other end of the spectrum, Short term, right now, I'm putting money in T-bills because I'm earning almost 5% with no risk at all. So I, I'm buying the T-bills, and I haven't bought the long-term bonds yet. I haven't bought the TLT, but I'm going to because I think that interest rates, well, ultimately, we're going to go into a recession. When we do, they're, if they're still fighting inflation, they may not drop rates. But ultimately, if the recession gets deep enough, they will lower rates, and this, this bond, long-term bond ETF will go up in value. I hope that wasn't too much in the weeds. Do, well, do you agree even, with that, Joe? Well, I was going to say, Stacy. even without that, just looking at what's happened to uh, government agencies, one of my favorite uh, bond types is Ginny Mays. Ginny Mays down 13% this year. Ginny Mays are never down 13. Never, never, never down 13. And if we just get any type of stabilization, that just feels like easy money. It just yeah. feels like such easy money buying into a, a decent Ginny May fund. You get advice. 
and, and you know this is and it's really kind of like stocks i mean you can make bonds they you know typically bond is something you buy for safety and income but you can use bonds to make money too if you buy long-term zero coupons treasuries um and interest rates go down those things are going to go up in value and even if they don't it's a direct obligation of the u.s government it's going to pay sooner yeah. or later yeah. So, you know, that, that's something else you could look at. It's not maybe not quite as risky as stocks, but there is still some risk. If interest rates keep going up and you're holding long term bonds, they're going to go down in value. But it doesn't mean you have to sell, but just like a stock. But uh, it's something to look at. So, so there's three things stocks, bonds, real estate, three ways to make money in a recession. And, you know, and honestly, I don't mean to overstate this. I get excited at, the, at recessions now. I really do. I mean, it's a really great opportunity uh, to make money. I was speaking with uh, Phil Town the other day. Uh, who, you know, rule one investing using a lot of the Warren Buffett stuff. And he was the same way, Stacy. He said that, you know, if you're able to keep your job right now, this is just a delicious time. I think was the word he used to it, be it, an investor. Exactly. There's a plate full of stuff going on sale. Yep. Yep. It's, you know, you know the old expression, uh, you were an investment advisor, and I'm, I'm sure this has always been true since 1981 to now. The people say when, uh, when, when things are on sale at the mall, you jump in the car, but when things are on sale on Wall Street, you're afraid to buy anything. Right. And so put your toe in the water, folks. Go out there and, and, I'm and not look trying, at some stuff. Yeah. And just to be clear, you, me, Miranda, Aaron, Phil Town, we're not trying to take advantage of people losing their jobs and interest rate. We're trying to take take advantage of idiots that think this is a good time to sell because ultimately this is a free market and things don't go on sale unless morons are selling. Right. Yes. That that's who I'm taking advantage of. To be very clear, I want to take full advantage of the morons that are getting out of stuff right now. Those damn morons! <laughs> <laughs> you're you're very cruel. <laughs> I'm just yeah. uh, I'm I'm just here sad and trying to run for office so I can help with affordable housing in Idaho. <laughs> and you and you are, huh? Are you running for office again? Yeah. You have my vote and my contribution. Of course, I can't. You can't really have my vote because I don't live in. Wait a minute. When this cannot have your vote. When this comes out, that means Miranda's an elected official. I'm sure, right? (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about uh, (laughs) let's let's talk about the fact that this podcast is over now. Oh yes, it is. But 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 before we leave, I want everybody to remember. If you're going to remember one thing from this podcast, I want you to remember what Joe just said. He's out to screw the morons. Is that going to be the title? Let's screw the morons. Yeah, yeah, let, yeah let's, let's do that. That'll be our social title. It'll be amazing. Okay, Joe, do me a favor. Wave your book around one more time. Oh, it, yeah. It, stacked. It's called Stacked. Stacked. And for those your, of you who can't see it. Yep, your super serious guide to modern money management. And it's available co-written. wherever fine books are sold. Yeah, co-written, co-written with the amazing uh, Emily Guy Burkins. Oh, we yes. have her on before, too. Yeah, she's fun. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's smarter than you, I think. She, well, duh. that's why I asked her to co-write it with me. Like, so we need some brains on this project. <laughs> no, you, you're you're wonderful, Joe, and you're super, super smart. And I will always follow your advice, and I will try not to be a moron. Okay, so now, though, we are out of time, folks. But we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. Miranda's online home is mirandamarquit.com. Don't forget that one, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T, mirandamarquit.com. And, of course, you want to get more of Joe, stackingbenjamins.com. And if you haven't listened to his podcast, do that. Read his book, Don't Be a Moron. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, 
Tell us about it. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And like I said at the, at the halftime, if you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us. So if you like us, don't just sit there. Show us. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquet. I'm Aaron Freeman. And I'm Joe Salcihai. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We'll see you right here next time. <laughs>